This is the Bonsai Wire podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Robson, and today I have my co-host, Jonas Dupuis, to talk about bonsai shows. Now, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this with you, Jonas, because um, there's a lot of good reasons to go to a bonsai show. W- what are a few that you, you come to mind? Well, it's funny because we, of all the times we've spent together, many of those times have been at bonsai shows. And so a very obvious one is to see my closest bonsai friends at bonsai shows. Yeah, it, getting the whole community together and, and all of our bonsai friends, that's that's not something that happens often, especially when people live all across the country. And, and it tends to be those regional shows that brings in the most serious enthusiasts. And those are often my closest friends who are distributed all over the world oftentimes. And it's super fun to go to those regional shows and catch up in person yeah yeah we were at the national show together the last few years we were at the artisans cup together it's it's, it's yeah. fun to go to these big shows see beautiful bonsai and that's the second thing we get to see really beautiful trees uh, and some of them are even for sale sometimes i know and shopping the <laughs> vendors i mean gosh like uh, a good friend of ours scott elser recently said you know what's the best way to build a nice collection and he said opportunity it's it's being at these events when they're happening and uh, there's no better opportunity to find nice trees than, than a vendor area at a big show. Yeah, it's funny. If you don't happen to be in a room with good trees, the odds that you end up with a good tree are much lower. Yeah, yeah. But that leads us to what we really want to chat about with you all today is is this topic of, yes, you get to see your friends at bonsai shows. You get to shop at bonsai shows. But what you and I find is perhaps one of the most educational things that we can do in bonsai is to learn from bonsai shows, which we don't spend enough time talking about. That's right. For all the time that people spend rooting around the internet for pictures of their favorite trees, whether it's looking for ideas to pursue when you're trying to figure out, oh, I just got a redwood tree. How am I going to style that? So you go online or flipping through, oh, this is a species I see in a lot of European shows. Maybe I'm going to look up all these Sabina juniper approaches or Mugo pines. And so, you know, hit the library or online. But we don't talk as much about what form it takes when we do that kind of study in person and how much more valuable it can be to interact with the trees in 3D. Yeah, and 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 you and I have done this, especially at the last national show, we, we did this a lot, is where we make little games for ourselves to to walk around and, and look for things because it, it can be a little monotonous. Sometimes you walk through a show, you can see a lot of beautiful trees, you kind of exhaust your, your your vision, your, your, your appetite for nice trees oh, a little man, bit. yeah. Um, but to go through and say, I'm going to look at all the stands and, and, and just kind of focus in on, on, on one topic. You can learn a lot by walking through the show multiple times. Yeah. And so the more time you get to spend in that room, the more opportunity you have to learn. And your learning is limited typically by nothing more than your ability to ask questions. What stands do I tend to see or what characteristics do the stands have for this kind of tree? What characteristics do the stands have for that other kind of tree? And you can really just start identifying patterns. And then you can follow that question up with, oh, which approaches do I like to stand selection? Which approaches do I like less or, or for me, less effective? Yeah, seeing a lot of good trees in one space with a lot of effort put in, you, you really get to pick up on all these small details that, that artists like us put put into these these displays. Have you ever done this? I'm terrible. I was at Kokofu a number of years ago. Actually, it was in 2020. And there was a really fascinating tree that looks like an unremarkable gumdrop, just full silhouette, white pine, beautiful tree. But when you walk up to the tree, look up under the canopy, you can actually see that the trunk 
comes up out of the ground, shoots up to the top, comes back down, wraps around the side, and then all the branches start emerging. It's doing loop-the-loops inside. And I saw there was a Western visitor in the show. It was right before closing. We're the only two in the room. And this guy was looking at this tree, and I, I could not resist just walking over and saying, oh, did you uh, happen to peek inside that one? And I saw him turn his head, and he kind of bent down and looked up, and he said, oh, wow. And he kind of like just spent the next five minutes looking at the tree and just trying to figure out how did it even get from the roots to the branch? Yeah, I think we can all fall into the trap where we walk through the show and we just kind of look down the aisle. We say, tree, tree, nice, nice. You know, and we, we just walk through and we don't actively look at the trees sometimes. And, and yeah. it's it's good to be conscious about that. We, when we were podcasting at the last national show, we, we talked about Su Thin's uh, Shimpaku that I think, oh, did, did that win the show? Or got I believe best, it did, yeah, the national Green. award, I think. Um, and, and that tree almost, you know, we, we when we looked at it very closely, we realized, oh, wow, there's not a piece of wire on this tree at all. <laughs> and I don't think a lot of people in the room uh, noticed that. That's right. That tree had been in training a very long time, and it had good enough genes that those branches could hold when dewired. Yeah, I, I find if, if you're not bending your knees a lot when you're in an exhibition, you're not really looking. To, to, you know, to... I've been saying it for years. So I've been to a lot of shows with a camera around my neck, and I take a lot of photos so I can share with folks on the blog. And I find it's work because I'm kind of bending over, you know, hinging at the hips, to get the trees at the right level. And so I'm frequently, I'm getting close, I'm getting far away, I'm getting down at the right level. I'm forcing myself to have these different vantage points, these different perspectives from which to better understand what makes this tree tick, what do I like, what do I not like, what would I want to improve on in it. It's uh, it's physically work to do all that. It is. And if you have a big show like the National where there's, what, 200, oh, 300 gosh, trees, yeah. it, it can be exhausting <laughs> to go through. But it's it's like the most fun type of exhaustion that, that I know of. And it's funny, Andrew mentioned we did a mini critique of the show and we did a podcast episode of that. But honestly, when we're not recording, we're doing the exact doing the same exact same thing. thing. We yep. do it when we rock around each other's gardens. We do it when we're at events, club shows. We do it at the regional shows. Well, what do you think about that one? Or what's missing there? What, what do you think might make that a better tree? Yeah, it's, you know, I, I'm an avid uh, promoter of using Kokfu books for, for studying bonsai. I think they're fantastic resource tools. But you know what's 50 times better than a Kokofu book, actually being at Kokofu or being at the National or being at the Artisans Cup or going to the Pacific Expo. It's, you just learn, you know, bonsai is an art that we need to learn in person. You know, you need to be there in person to see the trees. They're, 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 we, we design them to be 2D with a front, but they're also 3D sculptures and, and we need to be in the room with them. Yeah. And there are many, many key points that we can get on paper and, or on the screen. And so that's incredibly valuable. But wow, can you get so much more in person? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. You can get the, the glowing green of healthy trees. You can get the scent of the flowers and you can get the structure. So when I'm at, I've been doing this for years in museums, you know, even before I started studying bonsai, when I go to a museum, I will walk up and get my face as close as the guards will let me get to the painting because I want to see the brush strokes. Yeah. I will then back up 20, 30 feet away and squint my eyes to look at the kind of positive and negative values in the thing and look at the form. I'll go back and forth. I'll turn my head to the different sides. And I do the same thing in a bonsai show. I get far away and that tells me if the tree's balanced. I get really close up and I can look at how it was built. 
What's a common question? How do you build an apex? Stick your head underneath and find out. Yeah. Yeah. You can really answer a lot of questions for yourself if you're there in person. You know, one of the things that I really notice when I'm in person looking at a show is really how big some of the trees can be. The the presence that a tree exudes, you just cannot get that from a photograph. You have to be in the room with a large tree that's, you know, 35, 40 inches, 50 inches tall. That, I mean, you just can't get the, the, the feelings that that tree emotes when you're looking at it in a photograph. Yeah, it's kind of a sidebar on to how you evaluate trees of different sizes, but it's a different visceral experience when you have to physically move your head from side to side to see all yeah. of the tree versus a shohin where you center yourself up to it and that's that. Yeah, you see everything. Yeah. You don't I have mean, to work it all. You can't move around, but it feels different when you have to turn your head to side to side, when you have to use your knees or your back, and when you have to take a couple steps to get from the left side of the tree to see the right side of the tree. Yeah. You know, that was something that... Um, you know, the the first big show that I really went to was the Artisans Cup. And it was mm-hmm. in 2015. I was in graduate school. And uh, that was like the biggest thing that impressed on me. The first time I walked in is, oh, my ah. gosh, these things are huge. It's like the, the, the mere presence of them, especially in that show, so many of them had so much size that they really make you feel small. And that's, I don't know, that's a nice feeling when a bonsai. Yeah. And the low that. light you almost had to look where you were going to not bump into these yeah. things that were very often taller than us on the tables. Yeah. Yeah. I it's... noticed the same thing in Japan. I remember to this day, I remember my first trip to Kokufu 23 years ago and you tend to, op- let's see back then the Imperial masterpieces and or trees as part of the Imperial collection were at the very beginning. And so there's sometimes not the best trees in the show, but they're not always small either. And yeah. to this day, I remember the the kind of the first row I saw. And it had been the first time in my life I saw work at that level because it was harder to find trees like that all up and down the state, you know, back in the late 90s. And again, for me to remember that decades later, I don't remember much from decades ago. Yeah, yeah. So the, the presence of a tree really shows off in a show. Um, gosh, you know, I almost... I almost think I learned more from going to that first Artisans Cup than any convention or demo or workshop that I had ever been in and have been in to date or teach to date. I think the, the educational opportunity of just seeing these trees on display is is yeah. so powerful. It, at least it is to me. And I will, I have a good or bad habit of asking very concrete questions. All If I'm curious about a tree, if I like the tree, I'm usually curious about it. And so I just... I've, it's almost game-like in that I have a way of interacting with a tree. And so I'll just ask, how low is the primary branch? Where does that primary branch emerge? How does it get to where it's going? Where does the line of the trunk go from that primary branch up? Is the deadwood adding or taking away? Is the branch density changing from top to bottom, or is that all done out at the branch tips? Is the like How does the structure modulate from A to B, whether it's the trunk or an individual branch? There are a bottomless number of questions I can ask. And sometimes I actually literally do it literally in my head where I'm asking, oh, now where's that start and how's that go? And sometimes I'm just poking my head around kind of oddly robotically and yeah. trying to figure out what makes this tick? What are th-? And then when you do that again and again, that's where the patterns start showing up. Ah, that's why you don't want bigger branches near the top. You want them smaller. Oh, that's why 
and you start realizing that kind of thing. Yeah, and, and something that I, I really noticed at the last national show is is it's great to be able to look and observe those things. But when there's when you have a friend next to you, you know, I I, I remember um, I was in the same aisle with uh, Sergio Kwan and Jeremiah Lee, and I think you were there too, and we were all looking at um, a lot of the nice deciduous trees in the show, and and talking about which one might win the prize and, and start evaluating a lot of the top trees and it just having those conversations with the community when the, the trees right there in front of you is just such a valuable experience to not just analyze those things for yourself, but to pick someone else's brain, see their perspective, go to a critique if, if the show has that. And I don't know. It's, yeah, it's you, funny. I find the question I most often ask people is, did you notice the this or what do you think about the that? But what do you think about is one of the more common questions I hear people ask that people yeah. come up to me all the time and, Oh, what do you think of that one? Or what do you think yeah. of this one? It's often their tree, but that's how it's, that's like the way people phrase it a lot. Oh, what do you think of that? Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to have those conversations. And so what do you say when someone says, Oh, here's my Zelkova in the national show. What do you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it can be a little bit of a tricky conversation. Um, what makes it tricky? Um, it doesn't have to be tricky, but um, it, it's, I don't know, it's always easier to to analyze things without a person standing there. I don't, I don't know. I love but, engaging the trees with the owner because it kind of gives you a responsibility. If you're going to say anything good or bad, back it up. Yeah. And be respectful because... The owner rightly feels great about the tree because it's in a great show. Like you're at yeah. the National. It's a good show. It's a good show. There are good trees yeah. there. Bill Valvanis wanted it in there. It made it great. You know, it happens to be a contender even better. And so that means you can really easily speak to which characteristics happen to speak to you or you think are done particularly yeah. well. You know, when when people ask me what what I think about their trees at the show I'm almost more interested what they think even though it's oh, their tree for sure because it's it's really fun to hear their intent behind it their perspective and that might inform my decisions that I might not have thought of before it's true and so often I'll ask them when it's their tree is I'll say oh that's a particularly good bark for a Zelkova because they tend to have this kind of a pattern but yours has that kind of a pattern which you only see in trees yeah. of a certain age and good genetics and proper care and only when all those things are right do you notice that. And it's a subtle detail. And yeah. I love it when there's a room full of that stuff. You know, one of my favorite things when I'm at a, a big show like that is is seeing something that surprises me. Yeah. Um, and and oftentimes at these shows, there's there's always something that'll do that. At the Arsons Cup, famously, the tree that we all talk about is the larch in the vacuum, which was such a provocative and thought-provoking piece because it was so anti-tradition and um, still a really thought-provoking uh, display. Um, the national show always has quite a few interesting things. Um, yeah, it's, it's always interesting to see some of the wild cards that show up and, uh, learn, learn from them. And there's different kinds of wild cards. Wild cards can be particularly good or poor quality. It can be a novel species or a novel treatment of a species. It could be a fantastic high quality tree that we've never seen before. And it could be some kind of uh, outside of the tree. It could have to do with the display. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, uh, I'm blanking on his name. I think his Instagram is Bonsai Movement. Um, mm. And he had that Cascade Juniper and this wave-like board structure. And that oh, was Creighton's what, displays. Yeah, those yeah, were great. Yeah, that was, that was super thought-provoking. It, it's fun to see a lot of those, I don't know, dark horses, <laughs> wild cards show up. 
Well, yeah, because we know what bonsai look like. It's fun when you see things you haven't seen before, if that quality is yeah. there. Yeah. But it's funny when I think of what I learned, I've, you know, whether going to shows in Europe, across the U.S. or in Japan, I felt like that those are by far some of the most instructional things I've ever done because you need to learn how to physically lay wire on a branch. You need to learn where and when to prune. And the styling part is less paint by numbers. The basic patterns are there, but how you actually, again, get from A to B, that's not, that's that's less tangibly conveyed because you need that tree as the medium to relay the specifics. And I think that's what you pick up. And so public gardens are the same thing. You know, we've got this fantastic garden here in Oakland, California, the bonsai garden at Lake Merritt. And there are some spectacular trees there. Um, A lot of these trees date to the early 19th century. And so they have, or actually, what am I saying? Some are much older than that, but uh, great provenance. And you can kind of see the effect of these time-based things in person and look at what did they choose to wire what do they not choose to wire how are they pruning that what do you like what do you not like um it's you can't get all that from a photo you can't yeah and and i think it just reinforces the point bonsai it's it's something done in person it's a community thing it's it's something that we share and that's the the fun part about a show is 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 sharing all the hard work that and, and passion that we put into this yeah it's funny actually just hearing us talk about this it reminds me of we're telling you to get close to the trees and look at how they're built and and then i think isn't that a great reason to celebrate stephen voss's book where we have detail shots of trees it's a whole bonsai book of all these great trees but they're not all the hero shots where you see the top and the bottom from precisely one third of the way up the bottom of the trunk he's saying let's celebrate that it feels like you're standing in a forest here let's celebrate that it feels like fall let's celebrate these little vignettes that you get. And for those who aren't familiar with the book, um, it's absolutely fantastic. Oh my gosh. I highly recommend you check it out. I think it's some of the best bonsai photography that's (laughs) ever been, ever been achieved. It's, it's, it's really special. That's Um, exactly right. We uh, highly recommend that you uh, check the book out. It's called, is it timeless trees? Is Jonas is looking at the bookshelf in training in training. Okay. And uh, yeah, you can get that uh, from Stephen, but it's a fantastic book and it's not like your normal bonsai book as it will, uh, it's the great trees you'd expect from the National Collection, but it is a lot of detail shots and it's more, what does it feel like to have um, had a ponderous visit to the garden and maybe these little vignettes stick in mind? That's kind of what the book captures. Yeah, you know, the other thing I I really like about... um being at a bonsai show in person is it shows you the material that's in the community itself. It's a really good data point to here's where we are with the the work that we're doing. Here's it's, it's like a census almost here's, here's where we are. Here's the trees that we have. Here's, here's how it's been applied. Maybe here's some natives. Here's, here's how they, they turn out. It's a really good census for where the community's at at a given point in time. That's the phrase I've always used. And I highly recommend to every club, and honestly, to individual members, take pictures of your trees year to year, even if it's once a year, it's fun to look back on. And for the club shows, maybe someone will want to throw a bunch of these online and do a little book about that. We did that in Boone's show for you know years and years with Dale and Bonsai. And yeah. by creating that record, you can kind of track the progress of, oh, yeah, I don't know why everyone was doing that that year or... Uh, yeah. 
yeah it's it's i don't know it's 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 a good gauge for where the community's at it um, is and i think that actually counts for a lot i know that when i look through kokufu books from decades ago it's the most i've said this many times but i love it because it reminds me so much of many of our shows today yeah yeah it shows you the trends it shows you what was popular at the time well and it shows you what it looks like when trees were only a few years in development as opposed yeah. to those last three decades in exactly. development and so it just makes me think ooh, a lot of our trees are probably on a track to look a lot more compelling yeah, and that's that's why I'm so excited that the the expo, the Pacific Bonsai Expo, is having a catalog, a book, because I I think putting that that uh, piece of history in, onto paper uh, is is really important, so that when we're looking back 10, 20, 30 years later, and we see, oh, this is where the community was for the first Pacific Bonsai Expo, you can really learn a lot from that. And that's a great way to support the show too, if you're not able to actually make it in person and and have these benefits that we're talking about when you're in person at a show. Having the book, you can still learn and, and apply a lot of these tools just in a more narrow, narrow way. That's right. I mean, to this day, we refer to the Artisan's Cup book. We get the national book every single year when it comes out. Yep, yep. It's, it's a, important to document that, that. It is. This history. is our community. It's a broad, distributed group. But again, these are our friends. These are the people we want to go see, the owners and caretakers of these trees. And I love watching, again, where we are, where we want to go. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super fun. There's there's nothing like being at a quality bonsai show. I, I think, you know, for me, the Artisan's Cup was a turning point where I was like, I'm a hobbyist, I want to do this professionally. It, it just it just kind of blew my socks off seeing all those nice trees presented really well in a way that you don't typically see in other shows. And I don't know, it's, it's being at a bonsai show, it's, it's a very emotional weekend in, in some ways because all this passion is boiling up to a, to a physical point yeah and a lot of work has to happen and people usually work really hard and they typically all have smiles on their faces while they're doing it yeah yeah you know it's one thing to have a bonsai collection and just stay in the yard on the bench but when you can actually take it off the bench and and put the display effort into it i don't know that that's where bonsai for me really speaks and and sparks you know excitement is when we can show them at their best and and that's what a show's for and honestly, it kind of keeps us honest because I know a lot of work just wouldn't happen if we weren't uh, preparing a tree for a given exhibit. It's like, oh gosh, I got to dust this off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. What, what else do you like to do when you're in a room full of trees looking around? You know, you hinted at it earlier, and that's when you're talking about what the different kinds of things you can do in a show. Mm. When I'm at a destination event like the National Show or an ABS convention or something in Japan or Europe, and I've got a lot of time in there, I'll often break it up. The first time I went to more of a commercial wine tasting and had to do 50 different tastings, I thought, whatever, they're all going to taste the same. But when you start creating little subcategories, well, these are Pinots, these are Old World, these are New World, these are those, and you realize it's actually a small number of distinctions you make in each category. Right. And I've told the story many times, but... uh, Peter T. and I were at uh, Gomangoku, the Daijuan family show, years ago. And we had to be there, I think it was something like four full days. And we had more or less nothing to do all day <laughs> but be at a bonsai show looking professional. So, so you get creative in how to, to look at the yeah, show. Yeah, like the first day you run around the show, you talk with friends, you have fun. The second day in the morning, you see the show again. You're like, yeah, so I uh, kind of saw the show. Yeah. What are we going to do the next couple of days? Yeah. 
And so it's like, well, let's look at all the stands. So you look at all the stands. Let's look at all the pots. You look at all the pots. I remember by the end of it, we were asking questions like, what are the different ways in which you can create branch pads on black pine and which do we prefer? Yeah. Because that happens to be, you know, the kind of black pine headquarters in Japan. And so a lot of pines, but there are, talk about a topic that doesn't exist in the U.S. There are very different ways to create branch pads out there in the world. And you see about one and a half approaches for the most part in the U.S., but there are very, very different ways of doing it. And when you see them all in the room, it's just such a great example for deciding which do you like, when might one be appropriate, when might another be appropriate. Yeah, it, it, what, what you're saying really drives the point home that you can't just go and walk through the show once. You got to do it. It's it's the fifth time that you walk through it, the seventh time, the tenth time that you start to pick up on the subtle details between the trees that it's, it's hard to get when you just do that initial impression walk through the show. And now let's totally be fair because I'm going to guess a whole bunch of folks are going to OB over bonsai the first time they end up at one yeah. of these big regional shows. And I will say my first trip to Japan was so hardcore. We would go to Kokufu and or, you know, the sales area, the green club all day long. And then the next day we'd visit three gardens or two gardens before lunch, three or four after lunch. And it, I mean, these are significant gardens. And it would just be hundreds of trees every single day. And I honestly got super fuzzy. I loved it. It was a blast. I have very strong memories from that. But most days at some point, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that one's green too. <laughs> like yeah. it was just like, oh, and there's another one. That's cool. Whatever. Yeah. It took me years before I could create enough categories in my head to where I can have a near limitless appetite for trees. Now I might roll my eyes if I've seen a million in a day, but I can, right. I, you and I can look at a lot of we trees. We can look at a lot a of trees. I've, I've been down here visiting with you for the last what, 24 hours now, and we've done nothing but look at trees. Look at trees, score trees, talk about how to yeah. develop trees, problem shoot, health problems. Yeah. And that's another thing that you just brought up that you can yeah. do is you can practice evaluating the trees, not yeah. just, not just, you can practice scoring. You can look at what, what categories, okay, the national show, there's a best Sotsky award. What can, can I go through and look at all the Sotskis and see which one might win that prize? And you can you That's can right. participate, even if it's just with yourself, in the process of, of the evaluation. And on that note of evaluation, Andrew and I have been talking a lot about, and we'll give you a whole episode just on this topic one exactly. of these days. It needs its own. It needs its own. We'll give segment. this one some good attention. But one of the things that come up is, you know, how do you compare different species? And one, let alone sizes, let alone geographies, a whole bunch of things, but... When you have different species, different characteristics evoke different considerations. And when you're at a good quality show where you can see multiple examples of a given species that have been approached with very different techniques, very different people doing the work, you can then start asking questions like, oh, are these approaches different or are they better or worse? Yeah, you and, can start seeing what makes sense for you, what you what you like, what yeah. you don't like, what what work would work in your practice. That's right, and that'll help with the work you do with your trees in your garden. But yeah. on top of that, you can start learning what makes a trident maple a trident maple, what makes a Chinese yeah. elm a Chinese elm, and 
Yeah, if you start to walk through and notice, yeah. oh, all the trident maples, they're really refined. Oh, all the Chinese quince, <laughs> they're a little bit more coarse. I wonder if there's and a And the Japanese here. maples are all really sparse. Yeah. Unless yeah. it's a cultivar and then they're dense. Right. And so until you become really familiar with that, it makes evaluation really, really tricky. Yeah, but, but being at a show, seeing these things in person, you just pick up on them so much more than if, if you were looking at them on a screen or on a piece of paper or something like that. That's right. You know, something else I like doing when I'm at shows is uh, taking a lot of these same concepts and taking them to the vendor area too. Even oh, even if I even if I have no money to spend whatsoever, I'll still walk through and be like, "What are the five trees that I would buy in the vendor area?" I mean, I've done that with pots in the vendor area. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super fun. <laughs> it's 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 you're almost the vendor area is almost a show in and oh, of itself. Oh, it's totally fair game. Um, at Kokufu, there's this one vendor everyone loves, Sakurai, who has the collection of Chinese antique containers and they're on stands. They're in their own boxes. A lot of these things are just unbelievable. And there's been this one style of pot I've wanted for years, but the, the low end, they start at $2,500 typically and can go anywhere up from there. Needless to say, I do not have one of these yet, but I check them out every single time I get to. It's fun to look at, you know, and especially with the vendors, it's fun to say, Oh, here's, here's, differences in ceramics here's 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 pots that are made on a mold here's pots that are thrown on a wheel here's you can really pick up on a lot of the variety that different people have to offer oh and that gets to a good point is sometimes at kokafu i'll have a clue as to who the professional was who worked on a given tree and you can start looking through the show and oh is that a so-and-so tree or a so-and-so yeah. tree i felt like i was a lot better than that at that 15 20 years ago but yeah. the vendor area is a fantastic way to start learning that. Again, yeah. if you're a Kokofu, you're going to go to Shinji Suzuki's booth and you're going to really understand what work that nursery produces. At the national show, you're going to look at Sutin's booth yep. and you're going to yep. see the trees and the work that he produces. And, and the fun thing is, too, to see those those trees in the show, too, to see those professionals and their students and clients and say, oh, I really like what this professional is doing. Maybe I should take a class with them. Or That's I right. really like the direction that this person's going in. And it's, it's fun to be able to see the... Um, the the result of all the the hard work and the technique and the aesthetic and the the approach that they take. That's how your teacher ended up in California. Yep, yep. So it's it's yeah it's 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 fun to explore when you you walk through. You can see so many things that you if if you don't scratch the surface you 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 never really get You're them. stuck with superficial. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's funny even to this day. You know, it's been a couple of years, year and a half, I guess, is all since I've been in Japan. But I'm really hoping that I'll be able to make it this coming winter because I feel like I'm due for a trip. And what do I want to do when I get there? Other than, you know, visit grower shop, do all the fun stuff. But I want to start getting up close to some show trees, backing away from show trees and just starting to see what are the trends that we're in the middle of right now, yeah. which... You know, aspects do I want to bring start taking home you know I, I didn't think about it until just now but it will be interesting to see if if the pandemic had any uh, oh, response yeah. or correlation on people's streets a lot of people had a lot of time at home the last two years and it'll be interesting to see if that manifests itself in the show well I'm curious to see how that plays out at the expo too because we're gonna have uh, plenty of time with a whole bunch of really fun trees yeah 
it's going to be fun. And and the cool thing about the expo is is the evaluation process too, which we'll we'll chat about another yeah. time. But the fact that so many people are going to be taking part of the evaluation process gives us another thing to to look forward to when we're standing in the room with them. That's right. And we're encouraging people to take pictures. Like that's one hundred percent okay as long as you're doing it respectfully and carefully. We yeah. want you to you know this is your chance to make a textbook for yourself. Yep. Take pictures of things you like and say why is this interesting. <laughs> Ignore the trees you don't like and don't take pictures of those, you know, because yeah. that's just as important to kind of decide. We're not all going to have collections of one of everything and they're all equally great. You know, and if you do have that, then give me a call. I want to see your garden. Line. Yeah, exactly. You know, the biggest lesson, lesson that the Artisan's Cup taught me was material selection. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it, it, it gave me the realization, look, if I want to do this at the top level and I'm in the room with the trees that are at the top level... What type of starting points and trunks do I need to be looking for when when I when I am trying to build my collection? Um, and it doesn't mean you got to spend a lot of money, but it's just finding those those core principles of what's in the room and, and seeing what's being celebrated. And and, and and that shows a particularly good example of that because a lot of those trees were not that many years into development at the time, and so that's right. It really brought it into stark relief. How do you get like how fast can you get a compelling silhouette on a fantastic trunk. Yeah. That's another fun thing to look at is, is you can compare in a show. Another category is look at the Yamadori in the room, compare that with the pot grown trees in the room, because that's a beautiful way to distinguish two groups of trees. And how's it make you feel? You know, are you spending all your time in front of trees with no leaves? or Are you spending time in front of trees that are evergreens? Yeah. Are you looking at the domestic trees or the imported trees? The refined trees or the rough around the edges? The big ones, the small ones, are you? Size. You're looking at the broadleafs wondering why there aren't more. (laughs) Are there? Yeah. Does the carving make you slow down and look twice or does it make you pass on by? Yeah. Yeah, there's just so many things that you can pick up in a show. It teaches you about yourself, what you like, what you don't yeah. like, where to shape your your focus. That's right, which is funny because I've, in hindsight, my journey in bonsai has been so determined by my experiences and my exposure. What gardens did I have access to? What interest did my teacher have? What techniques was I exposed to? That That's pretty much why my collection looks the way it does in terms of material selection and the things I've put effort in. Now I'm buying and interested in completely different trees than what I'd been working with for so many years, um, apart from some exceptions. And that's entirely due to the exposure. You know, if I had these big regional shows from the start, I wonder what might have struck my fancy earlier. Yeah, it's there's the 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 potential for learning at one of these big shows is really infinite. It's 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 it i would argue it's the best learning opportunity that you can do in the bonsai community without touching the tree without touching the, <laughs> it's the best tree. way to learn without touching a tree that's right that's right <laughs> touching a tree is a lot of fun too but uh we can't be touching trees all the time yeah yeah and, and going to a show we get to see other people's trees does it ever is... make you want to go home and work on your own trees yeah, the, I, I'm always inspired right after the show. It, it Usually I have some big epiphany or, or, or some... I don't know if you remember, but at the National this last fall, I think 10 times you went up to me, I really want to go home and look at my trees. I really want to go home and work on my trees. Like It, it came yeah. up so many times. To see them, to work on them, it's, you were very excited. It, it really stimulates creativity, yeah. being at a show like this. And we've said that just visiting each other's gardens, yeah. actually. And it's, it's just leaving your house and going to see a bonsai, especially yeah. nice bonsai. Like there's, there's 
other than touching a tree, there's just nothing that tops that. If we were to sum up what we would suggest people do, is there anything to say about that? Or is it literally get in front of bonsai and the rest kind of takes care of itself? Yeah. If you're, if you're going on vacation and you're, you're at some medical conference in Portland, Oregon, you know, <laughs> look up the three or four great gardens that are there and go visit them. If, if you're going through Washington, D.C. or Seattle, stop and see the Pacific Museum, stop and see the National Collection. Find, find where good trees are close to you. Uh, if you have the opportunity to, to go see them, that's that's the best way to do it. And the show is just a nice way because we're taking all the all the, the best trees from the community and really putting a spotlight on them at that point in time. And so if you have any interest in what is the best we can make a tree look, if you have any interest in the use of accent plants, if you have any interest in display, these are things you get at show and not many other places. That's right. And if you can't go to the show, a great way is buy the book and, and learn from that. Because a lot of these things, even though it's not as good, it's still helpful tools to, to train yourself. That's exactly right. So I, think, th- I was going to say, is there anything else that we've uh, left out on that one? I think we covered it, but hopefully we see everybody at the Pacific Bonsai Expo. It's November 12th and 13th. 12th and 13th. I- I'm looking forward to it. It's it's like the event of the year. It's How many professionals are going to be there? I think we've counted around a dozen, up to oh around a dozen professionals, I think, will be and there. And what, 50, 40, 50 submitters? Uh, yeah, 45, 50 exhibitors, something like that. Wow. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I, I can't wait. Yeah. And a number of those, about 20% of those are professionals as well. Wow. So it's going to be a really, like we're tickled at the the level of the trees that we have to show off. So we're very, very excited about that. Yeah. And we hope to see everybody there. We'll be doing some podcasting. We'll, we'll be doing yeah. all the things that we just talked about today as much as we can. And I'm purposefully not scheduling myself for much of anything once the show starts because I want to take some time to actually enjoy the trees as well. Yeah. That's, that's so important. All right. Well, we hope to see you there. And uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bonsai Wire podcast. Cheers. The music on today's podcast was brought to you by the fine folks at Blue Dot Sessions. Check them out at www.sessions.blue.